1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up
2: now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Schweikert, Gannison, Krizak Rundio proudly sponsors the Friday Night Drive. I'm Mike Krizak. If you've been injured, we are ready to take on the insurance company and get you to the end zone. We've recovered hundreds of millions of dollars for our clients. Visit G-A-N-A-S-S-I-N.com.
1: Welcome back to the Friday Night Drives podcast. We have three weeks now in the books for the high school football season, and it's really my favorite time of year. Uh, high school football in full swing, college football on Saturday, and then just this past weekend, we got our first full weekend of NFL action. It's a great time, plus all the postseason stuff uh for for baseball going on right now. I love it this time of year. I am Kyle Neighbors. And with me once again is Steve Susie You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Neighbors. You can find Seuss on Twitter at the Seuss. And of course you can find all of our content at FridaynightDrive.com. Follow us on Twitter at FN Drive, on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on Friday Night Drive at Seuss, just as I was saying all the football, all the great great pennant races and, and baseball, though not so many great pennant races this year. Um but you know it's 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 a wonderful time of year, man.
2: Yeah, if, if you're a sports fan and can't find something to enjoy right now, you're yeah. I mean, I guess you're probably not really a sports fan. My goodness, it's just there's so much stuff that I you got to keep your head on a swivel.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I didn't make it to sleep until about three uh, thirty Saturday morning after getting all the stuff on Friday night drive. I was back up, watch football all day, pretty much on, on Saturday while working and then a full day NFL, and then, uh, you know, the Bears kick it off uh, last night on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Sean Hammond, who uh, used to, uh, you know, do a lot of high school work for Friday Night Drive, now is our Bears beat writer, was out in L.A. Uh, Do you watch any of that game?
2: I did watch a fair amount of it. I was watching it a little behind time because I actually had taped it because I was on something else for a little while. And uh, the fun thing to do if you're not really all that invested in the Bears – is just watch Twitter explode, and then you know what happens before you see it. And it just makes it it, it, it just kind of, you know, allows you to prepare a little bit better for the nonsense.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're gonna, of course, we're gonna spend most of the time talking about, uh, you know, high school football, but I just had a, I, I can't bring up, and I can't wait until Friday morning when Sean, Halbarkish and I do our, our live stream for the Bears, I can't wait until then uh, the 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 uh the first touchdown, the Van Jefferson touchdown, where he caught the ball, went to the ground, and then got up and ran into the end zone with Eddie Jackson and Tayshawn Gibson not touching him. And then Matt Nagy did his his, his uh you know his post mortem this morning uh at Hallis Hall and said that well, they just need to be more aggressive uh in and touching him. I, I've I've been laughing for hours uh since that explanation.
2: Yeah, I, I laughed at someone had screenshotted him prone on the ground and uh and just the caption just read this play went for a touchdown and it was just like and it was it was obvious that it was just complete nonsense but uh it's one of those things that like you get the the differences in the rules I don't think the Bears secondary believed that they were trapped in a high school game at the time and he was already down uh just not really uh not really a, a, a great uh, execution on that particular sequence.
1: Yeah, if you're a Bears fan, I, I feel for you, it's probably going to be a long season, it looks like. Uh, not that I'm surprised by that. I mean, I, th- I think I picked them to win six games this year in our preseason talk. Um, but you know, uh, like I said, uh, if you're interested in Bears, we got a ton of great content. Uh, if you go to shawlocal.com Bears, uh, you'll find all of our content from Sean Hammond and, and Hub Arkish on a daily basis. But with that, we're going to go ahead and get into the week three, uh week three review, which is what we are here to do on Monday afternoon. And a lot of good games to talk about. I'm going to just dive in, Seuss. And one of the more notable ones uh was Whedon St. Francis. After losing their their week three opponent to COVID, Uh Prospect also was looking for an opponent. and St. Francis went ahead and said, you know what? Yeah, we're 4A school, but we don't mind challenging ourselves. Uh They went on, took on Prospect and came away with a 34-27 win. I'm not going to say the quarterback's name. I, Cause I mean, it's, it's, you know, what I, I come from a family, my wife's side of the family is all Polish. I have trouble doing their name, but I'm able to figure most of them out. I can't even get close to figuring this name out. So I'm not going to, uh, it's a, a sophomore quarterback for, for we in St. Francis really seems to be coming into his own. Um, you know, after graduating, Tommy Rittenhouse, to see uh, the Spartans come in with another outstanding young quarterback. Um, the Spartans are in really good shape.
2: Well, I, a couple of years ago, I was at uh I was at a, a seven on seven tournament and uh, Bob McMillan came up and introduced himself to me. We'd met before, but it's just one of those things where he just uh, wasn't sure if, if I knew who he was, I did. And we got into a conversation about not only what was upcoming for St. Francis with Tommy Rittenhouse under center, but he had mentioned that they, when he, when he was gone and when the core of this current group was gone, they believed that they had some kids in the pipeline that were going to be able to, uh, Kind of keep this thing going for a while, and it looks like that uh, that conversation was pretty prophetic because they are uh, they are definitely playing good football, and that is a that is a really nice win, like you said. Saint Francis stepping up from four A, going up into the seven A ranks against a pretty darn good program, coming away with that win uh, says a lot for them. Uh, also, also you know puts them. I, I think if they weren't already, it, it, you at least have to include them in that conversation for people that you expect to make a pretty good run
1: in 4A. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it um, all spring that if there had been a postseason, uh, how incredibly stacked the 4A North bracket was going to be um, while some of the team, or, I mean some of the components on those top teams have changed. Like, uh, well, you know, like we just said, with in St. Francis, Richmond Burn had, you know, a, a bit of a different look this year. Really looked like the same contenders, but, um, you know, we in St. Francis lost to so a very good Lake Forest team. They challenged themselves in week one. They went down, I'm sorry, the Peoria came up here to Wheaton and played in week two. They knocked off Peoria, so they you know split those first two games, then beat Prospect. This is going to be a, a hell of a Spartans team for the 4A field to have to deal with. But we're going to go ahead and move on now because uh, I really want to get into the Leonard Bull, man, um, because it was as good as advertised as it usually is I, in most years. Rochester came away with a 45-41 win over Sacred Heart Griffin. Uh, the difference in that game looked to be three takeaways. Uh, the, the, that the Rockets were able to came, or come away with. But you know what? forty five forty one, actually ended up being lower scoring than I thought it would be. I, I'm sure you were following along uh, on, on social media, um, but they were putting up points just nonstop in that first half. I'm like, they're going to each score 60.
2: Well, it was a weird situation for me on Friday night because I had one of my favorite things, which is a 6 p.m. kickoff. So, um, I was able to actually listen to a large majority of this game because my game was over and done by 8:15, 15. So um, I, I actually got quite a bit of it in my headphones uh, while I was putting together information. So uh, yeah, that's, that was a, that was, a, it was a, it was a good game. It ended up being a little bit closer than I thought it would be. Honestly, I thought Rochester might get them by a little bit more, um, but uh, back and forth uh, pretty much what every Leonard bowl is. Uh, a demonstration of what you can do and, and how many big offensive plays you can make in a four-quarter football game because both sides had a bunch of them uh it seemed like they were just zipping up and down the field with a, a constant regularity
1: yeah no no surprise there to see that game be high scoring and and, and close um two great programs that know each other incredibly well um, a couple out of state games i want to get to this week Zeus Niqua valley went and played saint mary's missouri a very good program we had uh we Had previewed that game, they came away with a 26 21 win, and then the other one, you know, I, I talked about all those, um, uh, those DuPage schools where there was a uh, Naperville North also went and played, uh, took a loss. I believe Wabonzi Valley lost as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, you know, uh, th- I think the more notable one out of that was uh, Naperville Central took a loss, uh, to, to Novi Catholic Central, uh, out of Michigan.
2: Yeah, I didn't know a whole heck a lot about them heading into the week, I kind of it got the field just from kind of looking at some rankings and, and where they were at that, that Naperville central would be okay in that one. Um, but it looks like maybe there's a little bit more depth in that area than I gave it credit for, because, uh, there's, there's a, you know, when, when Naperville central makes trips like that, you know, they're probably going to be playing a pretty quality opponent. Uh, it, it surprised me a little bit though, that they weren't able to come out of there with a victory, uh, in that sense.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the other game that I wanted to get to that was out of state, I did not have a chance to see anything from East St. Louis, uh, St. John Bosco, uh, a very, very, very talented team out of California. I believe it was ranked third in the country on max preps, right, Seuss? Uh, yes. It ended up being 42-26. Was it that close? I mean, I, to me, a 16-point loss for East St. Louis. I mean, is incredible. East St. Louis is um, is actually pretty good, considering the, the, the type of talent they were facing. Or did they get that close at the end, you know?
2: I found a YouTube feed of that. And when I got there, it was uh, 35 to seven in favor of St. John Bosco. Um, and to my understanding, what got, what St. John just kind of punched him in the mouth early on. Uh, but East St. Louis, while I was watching, missed a couple of opportunities in the red zone where it looked like they had an opportunity to trim it down a little bit more, played much better in the second half um, and, and made a lot more plays. I don't, I'm, I'm not, they looked like the faster, more athletic team. Um, but when, when St. Joe, John's Bosco blocks, they have a massive offensive line. And Miles McVeigh actually blends in. And if you know who that is, um, the fact that he blends in, in a situation, it doesn't happen very often. So, but a big talented offensive line that kind of controlled the line of scrimmage against East St. Louis, but, uh, I honestly, I, I thought it, this would be worse. Um, I, I think this was a good showing for East St. Louis. I, I think they they deserve a tip of the cap, not only for one, for playing this game, but two, going out and and affording for themselves pretty well. A couple of breaks in the first half, a couple of, a couple of balls off people's hands. Um, it might have been a much more interesting game heading into the second half. And I thought East St. Louis played better, uh, probably a little bit better than St. John Bosco in the second half.
1: Yes, and this is not the last time that East St. Louis will be tested. They have one more game. I believe it's week nine. They're going down to play IMG Academy, which is an elite school down in Florida. You probably have heard about it. If you if it's not ringing a bell, that is a school that J.J. McCarthy uh, from uh, that was um, with NAS uh, transferred down to last year when uh, it became apparent that high school football would not be returning in the fall. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and get into – uh, the Fox Valley Conference, and we'll talk more about it on Thursday when we do our, or on, on Wednesday, sorry, uh, when we have Joe Stevenson, who covers McHenry County on with us, but want to get into it because the Cary Grove-Crystal Lake Central was a matchup of 2-0 and o teams. I went over and watched the first half before I had to get back to the office, and really, I wasn't missing much by leaving at halftime because Cary Grove was dominating the game. I want to just quickly here make sure I have this right. The Cary uh, Grove, the Trojans, had the ball for a total of two minutes and 15 seconds and scored four times in the first half. They also had a pick six, um, seven plays, 35 points, essentially. Uh, One of the most incredible things. I think every, I think all their scoring plays, at least in the first half, were from more than 50 yards away.
2: Yeah, obviously Kerry Grove is a really good football team this year. I mean, they, they flex their muscle quickly and often in this game, but It's always difficult to kind of look at at Kerry Grove and where they stack up, um, you know, statewide because of the fact that they play in a lot conference. They're going to get the same nine games every year. They don't play any non-cons, so you don't have any kind of, you know, weighted games. But let's be honest here. That's that's obviously a really, really strong performance against no slouches. And uh, I think there's I mean, there's been some ripples in this, but Kerry Grove appears very deserving of their number one ranking in the AP polls right now. Um, It's just a situation where I think this team is head and shoulders above everyone else in the league.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's, I'm not sure they're head and shoulders above everyone else after, I mean, Prairie Ridge went out and and held Huntley to seven points uh, now 27 to seven in that win. And if they play on Saturday, uh, it's gonna be I think it's a one o'clock kickoff in a couple of weeks. It's gonna be a hell of a matchup. But you know when you look at these two teams, um, what I, I guess it's over the summer I told I was talking with Joe and said that you know we've had an incredible run of teams in McHenry County making it to state. And with Richmond burden, what I thought would be a take a little bit of a step back after they had a lot of graduation from that state championship team in 2019 and then lost more in the spring or after the spring season, wasn't sure what to make of Prairie Ridge. And while I liked Cary Grove, I, I didn't know if they had the, uh, you know, the usual type of explosive offense. Now we're getting to the point where you're seeing the way Cary Grove and Prairie Ridge are playing. Um, and you really look at that six, a North bracket and I'm going, I'd be at this point a little bit shocked if one of them weren't playing for a 6A championship once again.
2: Well I look back to early in the in the preseason where some people were trying to tell me that you know Prairie Ridge is down. Prairie Ridge may not be what they usually are and uh, I was reserving judgment to be completely honest with you until they showed me that they were down but uh, they have not done so yet. So um, I, I mean I was it's kind of In the, I was like, well, it'll probably still be the three-headed monster that it usually is at the top of the conference, with maybe them a little step behind. But as weeks go along, that's clearly not the case. I mean, like you said, those two should match up here in a couple of weeks. I believe it's week five. Um, They, and it should be a heck of a football game. But uh, and it all, it almost always seems to be, no matter what people say about it beforehand, when they lock up, it's one of those throw the records out and and see who survives it.
1: Yeah, I, I can't wait for that game, it, particularly since it's on, I love Saturday day games to begin with, um, but right, particularly right now with our with the way our print deadlines are, I have to be in the office pretty early to make sure everything gets into our print products. So I, I can't really you know, spend a lot of time enjoying it on Friday nights. So for that to be on Saturday, I mean, uh, I, I know you've talked about coming up. If you do, you better get there early because uh, it, it's gonna be an absolutely packed place. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, but from there, we're, we're going to go ahead and, and talk about another team, actually, that there were some rumblings over the summer that was down a little bit, and that's Loyola. And, you know, I kind of, even more than Perry Ridge, kind of scoffed at, you know, the Ramblers aren't, you know, whatever, they're still the Ramblers. But even then, they've outperformed my expectations. Uh, they beat St. Rita 37 to 7 on Saturday. And I mean, Caleb Brown continues to be out for for the Mustang. But even so, uh, that is a a terrific performance from Loyola.
2: It's funny because I, I talked to Loyola coach, John Holosek over the summer. And, uh, and I was talking to him primarily about whether or not they were going to be able to fill their week two date and what they thought about not being, uh, not being multiplied and, and ending up as a seven, a playoff team. And he quickly shut me down and was like, we're not worried about any of that. We're just, we, we got to figure out how to get into the playoffs. And then <laughs> I went and watched them against uh, Rochester in week two and watched them basically demolish Rochester in, in a lot of ways. And I just – I kind of started chuckling under my breath. I'm like, if this is a team you have to worry about getting into the playoffs with, I mean, I would I, I would hate to see a team that you're expecting to get into the playoffs because it is, it is a really good product that Loyola is rolling out there right now, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They are so impressive on the defensive side of the ball. Their defensive line uh, – you know, just seems to be spending constant amounts of time in the opposing backfield. Just, and it's a different guy. It's not just one guy who's blowing things up. It's it. It's the DN one time. It's the other DN on the other time. It's a couple of the D tackles crashing through. They're just spending all this time in the backfield, blowing up plays on a regular basis. It's a really, really good football team. Um, that margin surprised me a little bit, but to be honest with you, it didn't stun me all that much because when this team gets rolling, it is real hard to stop.
1: Uh, Michael O'Brien for the Chicago Sun-Times is actually out covering that game. Um, and I'll, I'll make sure to give him a shout out. Uh, if, if you want some prep coverage within the city, uh, subscribing to the Chicago Sun-Times is a great thing to do. Uh, he does a great job with it. He always gives us shout outs for us. So I want to make sure to do it as well, but I was reading his game story. Um, and he, uh, he, he uh, got Caleb to talk about, you know, when he thought he'd be back. Uh, and it looks like uh, Caleb Brown is targeting week six or week seven. That would be a big boost uh, for the Mustang to be able to get him back.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things when you look at St. Rita's schedule on paper um, and looking back at it, like it looks like that Trinity game in Kentucky is going to be a huge deal for them having won that football game because, I mean, they could potentially be in a situation right now had they not got that game where they'd be sitting at 0-3 with, with some still some remaining hurdles on that schedule. So uh, a really big win for them in week two getting him back on the back half of that schedule, which doesn't soften by any stretch of the imagination. uh, It could be a big boost for this team in some big games that they have uh, as they wrap up the end of the season. Uh,
1: Another Catholic league game that I I found to be really interesting to see the result was Marmion beating, uh, beating Montini 27 to 10. Um, You know, I I think Marmion kind of turned our heads a little bit when they beat Bishop McNamara back in week one, Uh, wanted to see more from the cadets. They're now three and zero. A rather convincing win over Montini. They took control of that game in the fourth quarter to come away with a win. Uh, really looking like a strong program right now.
2: It was it was such a strange spring for Marmion that I couldn't get a real good feel for them. They lost a couple of games to COVID. They rescheduled some games to COVID against some opponents that were uh, uh, that made them look a little bit overmatched. So it was really really hard to get a read on exactly where they were at. The one thing that has seemed to be really constant for them over the last couple of years is really good defensive play. So when I saw that they kind of reigned in Montini and kept them down, it didn't really shock me, but this team has really outperformed what I thought they would be at this point through three weeks. Um, they have gone from a team that I didn't, I thought maybe was going to ha- have trouble kind of punching into the back end of the playoff bracket to a team now that I think, you know, six or seven wins is definitely in the cards for them.
1: Yeah, they're in really good shape. Uh, on the other side, though, Montini falls to one and two. That win against Sterling is looking really big right now because the the, the back half of the schedule gets really difficult for the Broncos. Um, you know, they go weeks week six through nine here. Providence, Maris, Naz, and Joliet Catholic to close it out. All going to be tough games to win. Not saying they can't do it, but it is going to be tough. Um, so this this week four game um, against St. Lourdes, hey, this this is pretty much a must-win game to me and, and in my book.
2: Yeah, it, it is in a lot of ways. I mean, the one ripple effect of playing a schedule this good, if this is going to be the year uh, that four win at large teams get into the playoffs, that's you want to be in Montini's shoes right now, because that's a 50 point schedule right there. And when I talk about 50 point schedules, there aren't a lot of them that are going around. So uh, Montini should be in good shape if they can get to four because I, I stand by my conviction. We're going to have some four-win at-large teams, and Montini will be very high on that list if they find themselves in that situation.
1: Yeah, um, uh, while we're on that topic, uh, any update? Uh, looking through your projection, I know you're working on that right now. That should be available on Tuesday afternoon, uh, the, the updated playoff projection uh, in, in terms of how many
2: four-win teams we're, we're looking at. It dropped to nine this week. Um it's essentially done. I'll be sending it to you after this podcast, by the way. Um, but it's it's uh it's just a situation where we're kind of getting some feeler outs and figuring it out. But right now it looks like I, I genuinely believe we're gonna end up with a number somewhere around this, especially if we keep getting the steady stream of forfeits uh that play into this equation, which mean there are less points being passed around, there are less wins being passed around. So Um, You know, it's just one of those situations where I think this is finally going to happen. And, uh, and schools that are sitting on that 500 mark or might fall a step below it that have played really, really quality schedules. And that's probably the reason why they're sitting at four and five um, are probably going to get a reprieve this time around.
1: Any other games within the Catholic League that stood out to you this week? I to me, I was looking through. It seemed like a quite a few lopsided scores.
2: Yeah, it was one of the, it. It was a. It was a. It was essentially for you know many of the leagues. It was kind of a, a breakdown of you know this this division playing this division in crossover matchups. So that's going to create uh you know a little bit of an imbalance because the the leagues have been stacked in a way that like the top teams are crossing over against maybe a division that's a couple of notches lower than them. So yeah, it didn't really surprise me that there were some, so I guess some chasms between the two, two teams in a lot of the games, the one, the, the other, the game that kind of surprised me out of those matchups though, I was really surprised with Providence's win over Fenwick. Um, That was a game that came right down to the wire. Uh, Providence continues to surprise me. I, I think I may have misjudged that club because Uh, A lot of really talented players graduated from that program, asked a lot of people to step up and fill roles, but Braden Garrigan um, is doing a really nice job for them on both sides of the football and uh, stepped up against a Fenwick team that has a load of division one caliber players, several of which have already signed those offers. Uh, It was a game that on paper looked like Fenwick should probably win it pretty comfortably, but now Providence finds itself a two and one heading into a game with Julia Catholic that uh that i mean obviously they're a huge underdog in this game but they're going into it with a lot more confidence uh based on the fact that they've played very competitively in the first three games
1: more for your trade the lowest price rebates down payment assistance and more at McHugh chevy in st charles we load heavy savings into every vehicle we sell i'm tobin Oberhauser, general manager with this promise come see us today and you'll save heavy with McHugh chevy shop mcq Moving on, I want to tackle the Grays Lake Central Grays Lake North game. Grays Lake Central came away with a 28-25 win. Um, Central is now 3 and0, a kind of a surprising 3 and0 in my book. Uh, it's a first win over north in, in six years, but just going back, as I said, surprising, um, I, I, you know when I, I knew that there was going to be a, a new team on the rise in the Northern Lake County Conference. Antioch lost a lot, including the Caliak Manis Brothers who are now at Minnesota. But I kind of thought it was going to be Gray's Lake North. They went four and two in the spring, uh, had a, a really good sophomore quarterback, uh, Jacob Donahue. They had a lot back on offense around him, and they're off to an zero and three start now after the loss to Central. Um, and so Mike Maloney, Coach Mike Maloney, has the uh, Rams playing really well. Um, and now we're going to get into a Week Four matchup here uh, with Wakanda. And uh, you know, <laughs> you don't think a Gray's Lake Central and Wakanda is a game to watch.
2: But here they are at three and zero, and both playing well. Well, you know when I'm doing projections and, and doing a lot of the things, especially early in the season, you I, I have to hinge a lot on past pedigree and things like that until I get some data to kind of look at it. And you can see the surprise teams if you go back and you look at my initial projections against where they are now. And one of the wildest swings uh, from start to now is is Gray's Lake Central. Um, the evaluation, the information that we have so far is showing that this team uh, is definitely outperforming what its past protocols have been. Uh, it's definitely a team that uh, has put itself right in the, the thick of things. And now it's instead of me going, I don't know how they're going to get to five. It's me going, well, where do they fit in this bracket? Because it's they're going to get to five.
1: Yeah, an, an, another conference up in Lake County that we've talked about a lot is uh, the Northern Suburban Conference. Um, and we just have been kind of trying to, to figure it out well, who kind of falls into place after Warren, um, which Warren bounced back easily after its week two loss to Maine South. But uh, you know, going down the card, uh, we talked about both of these games on our preview, uh, week three preview. Uh, Libertyville became, or came away with a or 28 to 19 win over Lake Zurich. Lake Forest had no trouble at all. Um, beating Stevenson 42-17. Uh, did, did that give you any more insight after after week three?
2: Not, nah, you know, a little bit, but it still didn't clear things up, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, kind of a, a, a mix-up in, in terms of, of where these teams sit, to be completely honest with you. It's still, it's still for me, like there's going to be some matchups between the teams to decide who's maybe third or fourth in that division, who's second and third. Uh, it's still not completely clear to me. There's just there's been so much up and down with a lot of these programs. And then you start throwing in, you know, forfeit wins and forfeit losses on the occasion. It it just becomes uh, hard to kind of do a data read. So a few more games, I'm hoping this one clears up, but it it still is not completely clear in my mind.
1: Yeah. I think Warren, as we've talked about is is the class of the conference sits. I I think it's clear enough to, I feel comfortable saying Lake Forest and Libertyville are the second and third best teams. I just don't know which order yet. So um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So looking forward to when those two teams meet. Uh, moving on, uh, one of the, I, I guess, uh, maybe not surprising, the, the margin was surprising to me, though. Palatine, uh, after a bit of a rough start to the season, uh, despite pretty high expectations, really right of the ship uh, in week three. Uh, blew out Evanston 43-0. to zero. Evanston is a program that's been pretty pretty solid, pretty consistent over the last decade. I was surprised to see that that margin.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i getting kind of confused <laughs> in, in a couple of ways with, like, what's going on with a few of those those uh, central suburban teams right now. I'm not really sure what to make of a lot of those teams behind Main South. Um, so that was one thing, but uh, still a, a good sign for them because they, they really kind of needed to pick this up because their division is stacked. They, they have no room for error. Uh, so they really kind of needed to get a momentum win and i think this might be the one that they needed
1: yeah absolutely um elsewhere in the uh suburbs over the weekend we had South Elgin uh beat Glenbard South in a battle of undefeated teams at 2 and 0 2 and 0 it was 35-7 uh the storm uh, you know uh dragon tionic has has run a really solid program over there at south elgin um it just you know i i knew they had a good core coming back i think this This might be one of the better teams, if not the best teams, he's had over there. You know, this is a team that usually is running the table uh, during the regular season and and can win a playoff game or two. I'm starting to wonder, based on what they have back, though, if this is the team that can maybe make a little bit more noise in the postseason.
2: It's just so difficult to get a read on them because we were talking about lot conferences before. Yeah, and I don't, I don't mean to cast aspersions on anybody in that upstate eight, but. South Elgin has a really hard time getting tested to the level that they need to be tested when they go into the 8A playoffs. They're going to go in with a really high seed. I find it highly unlikely that they'll lose a game in league play, um, but they, all, more times than not, they will go into the 8A playoffs with a really high seed, and they'll be considered an underdog to a 27 seed because of the fact that the schedule uh, leaves so much to be desired in terms of of programs that are really showing how good South Elgin is. Um, it, it's just kind of a tricky situation to be in because uh, you, you, you gotta like going through the season in the way that they do gaining a lot of confidence and believing that they they get things done. But boy, I, I really wish there was at least one team in that league that could push, push the envelope a little bit on them. So they were a little bit better prepared for, for the beast that is the eight, a playoffs.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, like I said, the only reason I, I'm kind of changing my tune a little bit it's just the fact that they had so much coming back you like veteran squads going to the playoffs but you are right it's hard to get a, an accurate read on the storm with the lock conference uh and you know um but and then 8A, 8a playoffs is is a real slog um but you know moving down all the way down into class 3a uh well 3a and 4a i guess here you had uh, wilmington and cold city uh bitter rivals we talked about on the preview podcast that there weren't going to be a lot of score or a lot of points scored in the game it ended up being 10-7 Wilmington I mean just I mean that's what you expect right man
2: well it was funny because like I mentioned before I was at a six o'clock kickoff game that got done pretty fast and I'm like you know what Cole City won't Cold City's kind of on my way home I'm gonna see if I can swing by there and catch the fourth quarter and I got in my car and Check some things, and then I found out uh, about a block after I had left the stadium. That game was already over, so <laughs> that game started an hour later, and it essentially got done in about an hour and a half. So um, that's pretty much what you've come to expect from Coal City, Wilmington. I've seen that game probably twenty times in my life, and I've come to to know and expect what the blueprint of that game is. And it usually starts with a D and ends with an F E N C E. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty much what they do in that game, uh, and that was definitely no different there. Just a real, real defensive slog between those two programs. Um, and now you kind of look ahead to what both of them have left, and it, it, it almost seems like kind of a letdown. This 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 is too early in the season for Wilmington and Coast City to be playing.
1: Yeah, we need uh, that about week eight, right?
2: I need that week, week seven, week eight, maybe even week nine for that matter. It, it just – I mean – And I I bet both programs would probably agree with this. It's probably hard to get their kids back up to the standards that they want after they're done with the Coal City-Wilmington game because that's what both of those programs admit they built for uh, all offseason. They're talking about who's going to win that football game. So uh, Wilmington in great position to uh, win another Illinois Central uh, 8 championship now after getting that victory uh, because there's there's a couple of interesting obstacles along the way, but – I, you still got to like where Wilmington's at.
1: Yeah, one other final score that we want to talk about in the small school realm, uh, that was St. Teresa beating C- uh, Central A&M 34-0. Uh, I was a bit bit uh, taken back by the uh, the margin in this one as well.
2: Yeah, me too. I mean, I, it was it's one of those things, St. Teresa's been really, really good out of the box, have played some larger programs, opened the season with, you know, a 4A opponent, a pretty solid 4A opponent, um, put up a huge score against them, but of another huge score in week two. I figured it was probably going to slow down a little bit here um, it, in week three against a really quality opponent, a team I, I think still probably belongs in the top five of class 1A, despite getting beat as badly as they did by St. Teresa. Uh, just obviously a really good program in St. Teresa that has whatever it is they're doing down there. They have a blueprint for it. It's working exceptionally well. And th- this team just seems to churn out huge huge scores and just i just sit here and wait every year we didn't get it last year it seems like every year in 2A we get that St. Teresa Moroa Forsyth game in the postseason it's always a fascinating one they're really really close together the only time that they're going to meet because Moroa isn't a lot conference is is in the playoffs And it looks like we're heading towards another collision course of that nature again, with both of those two programs off to such great starts.
1: Yeah, it's always a a good postseason matchup to see come across. Um, I just noticed that I skipped over one thing on my list. I think I wanted to talk about that was Duquesne County or the Duquesne Conference. Um, And this is a good way to end it so I can give a plug to to Josh and Jake before we go. But first off, I just run through the score. We've talked about how incredibly difficult this conference is going to be to predict. It's so good from top to bottom. Uh, And the score is coming out of there this week. Batavia 23 over uh, 20 over Whedon North. That game, Batavia was down 10 points in the fourth quarter, came back to win it. We've now seen Batavia fight back a couple weeks in a row. They beat Oswego in week two after being down. Uh, Whedon Warrenville South beat St. Charles North 12-10. Really close battle there. Glenbard North got to 3-0 with a 21-7 victory over Geneva, which had came into that game right back-to-back wins that were uh, particularly this week two win over Canel was impressive. And then Lake Park beat St. Charles East 21-14. Um, another good showing from the Duquesne, uh, Duquesne Conference.
2: I'm not a very handy guy, so I, I kind of want to get somebody that I know to do this for me. I'm thinking about building a, a Duquesne Conference dartboard so I can so I can just I can be more effective in my projections with them moving forward because using the dartboard would be better than using my brain, I think, at this point, because I really I, I'm really at a loss as to where these games might go. I was pretty good last week. I, I was I was almost on track, but but I know down the line there's going to be results that shock me, uh, surprise me a little bit based on where I have teams stacked up. I'm going to have to reshuffle that order and I'm probably going to have to reshuffle that order five or six times.
1: Yeah, and as I said, uh, make sure to check in a little later in the week when Josh, uh, Josh Welge and Jake Bartleson, uh step in to uh, really go through their neck of the woods—the uh, uh, Kane or Kane County, DuPage County, Western Cook County, Kendall County. They'll wrap up uh, what they saw in Week Three. They'll preview Week Four. Uh, that'll be a great pro- a podcast to get you ready for the weekend. And then, of course, later in the week, uh, Seuss and I will be back for our Week uh, Week Four preview. Uh, but with that, Seuss, uh, you got any final words for us?
2: No, I just think it, it's shocking to think about. We're one third of the way through the regular season now. We're moving into the middle portion of the high school football season. It seems like we just started here. So, uh, yeah, it just – it goes so fast. And uh, just uh, take a moment and, and and breathe it all in because uh, it, it, it's been tremendous so far, and I can only imagine it's going to get better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of the Friday Night Drive podcast. Stick with us all week long. We've got a, t- a ton of content coming your way. Like I said, Susie's projections. we got our power rank that will be up soon. we got all of our week pre- week four preview content coming your way. Uh, you can find that all at Friday Night Drive. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter at FN Drive and find us on Facebook and Instagram at Friday Night Drive. Just search for that. Um, for now, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, for Steve Susie, I am Kyle Neighbors, and we will talk to you later this week.
2: Quickert Gannison Krizak Rundio proudly sponsors the Friday Night Drive. I'm Mike Krizak. If you've been injured, we are ready to take on the insurance company and get you to the end zone. We've recovered hundreds
1: of millions of dollars for our clients. Visit dot ncom
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected.